0: Hi, this is Janet Lansfurry. Welcome to Unruffled. I'm so excited because I have the honor of an interview today with one of my idols, Maggie Dent from Australia. She is a parent education icon. If you haven't heard of her, you should definitely become acquainted. She has written 11 books about parenting. And the most recent is out right now in Australia and in ebook in the US. And it's called Mothering Our Boys. It's about building a strong connection with our sons, understanding them, seeing through their eyes a bit better so that we can have empathy and compassion and build the kind of relationship that we dream of having with our sons. welcome Maggie.
1: Oh thank you Janet and I have followed you for a very long time this is a mutual admiration society. I think what you would find those who dive into the book um, that it comes from an incredibly respectful place and I think that's where we get confused sometimes we know as gender we're more alike than we are different we get that but there for a while it was politically incorrect to talk about the slight differences But as the statistics keep growing about our boys struggling with all sorts of things and our men, I think it became a time that we needed to say, hang on, some things may be a little different. So with the science now behind common sense, and also I'm a former high school teacher, so I taught for 17 years, and then I also became a full-time counsellor working with troubled children and teens, particularly around avoiding suicide. And it was their voices I started hearing, thinking, gosh, we aren't really understanding our boys as well as I think we could. And then I also grew up on a farm in Western Australia. So I spent all my childhood chasing my dad because my mum was fairly difficult. And then I have four sons of my own that are now grown men. And I kept thinking, I think I'm supposed to be the woman who helps mummies understand raising boys.
0: Absolutely. I I remember hearing once that if you have three boys, you are eligible for sainthood. (laughs) <laughs> I think maybe four boys really just puts you over the edge and you're, you're definitely there. When I had my third son,
1: people started coming up to me expressing their horror and dismay and disappointment for me. And then when I had my fourth, you know, I had someone lighting candles in a church because I had four boys. While it's sort of got a funny side to it, my eight-year-old son next to me said, "Mummy, why do they keep saying that about us boys? And that's where I think we accidentally start influencing our little boys to see themselves as less than we lower our expectations less than and more trouble yes more trouble trouble. and that was the other you know unhealthy perceptions I think that I'm really wanting to get us to have conversations about is the boys are tough and the inevitability of boys to behave badly and that it's okay for them to be disengaged and not do well at school they're the three biggies that I really hope that we can you know unplug and, and do something to make positive changes
0: So what are some of the keys that you would offer to parents for (laughs) connecting with their sons better and being that parent they need?
1: Okay, I would start with just a couple of the unique differences that influence the way we communicate. So we know that we've still got biological drivers from caveman days. You know, the biological driver for men in those days when gender was very separate, was their number one thing was to protect and defend. And they were very single-focused they wouldn't stop until it was done. So they like to focus on one thing, finish it, and then they can turn to the next thing. Whereas us as cave women, we are the organisers of the babies, the toddlers, the, we're the, often the medic in the house. In those days, we were organising when that community needed to move because nature wasn't going to sustain them. We kept bloodlines clear and we can manage a much wider multi-focus. And that's where... We often perceive, let me give a simple example, if a little boy is only two meters away from you, possibly watching, you know, a lovely children's program and you call to him gently and say, babe, it's time for dinner and he doesn't respond. And then we we go a bit louder, it's time for dinner. And then we, in our mind often as women, we think he's doing that intentionally. You know, in actual fact, his single focus is so strong in that moment, he can't hear you. And then we yell at him and the poor little lad turns around, why is the woman I love more than anything in the world suddenly yelling at me? And so that's a really common one. We need to go over and tickle his back or stroke his head or, or let him know what we're requesting so we can take the focus from that whatever he's doing so he can hear us. And if we can ask, again, I find that we speak more harshly to boys and command and demand. And no one likes that. So, of course, there's a natural pushback. So that's just the very first similar one, which is also why sometimes men can't find the milk in the fridge.
0: They can't find the milk in the fridge?
1: Yeah, because there's too many things in the fridge. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, see, and, and often I had one of my sons come to me when he was about eight and said, "Mum, wear the socks. And I said, Babe, I've had the same sock drawer for 15 years. I'd probably <laughs> look in that one. But we're horrified, you know, in that communication. Women have, we have this massively... Competent memory for all of those reasons because we had all of those things to remember So the capacity to remember things is incredibly frustrating for women You know you can send a little boy into the bedroom to get his socks or his bag And he doesn't come back And he doesn't come back for a couple of reasons One he's actually forgotten what you asked him But two on the way in his single focus went to something more interesting Like a toy on the floor and so when we get to understand this, then we don't have to get quite so frustrated and cross with him because he, he can genuinely not remember lots of things we wish he did.
0: And has that been proven to be more common for boys?
1: Absolutely more common for boys, particularly boys in homes where there aren't any girls. So when they've got sisters, often they become like extra mothers. They'll know he's going to forget, or they'll go and kind of help him find it. They do these lovely softening kind of things. Whereas it's a house on the boys and all of them haven't got very good memories and don't listen very well or can't hear a lot of words, then um, it can be a little bit frustrating for the mum if she's the solo female in the house.
0: Yes. I always recommend also giving children a helping hand rather than repeating ourselves. I think repeating ourselves is a trap for us. It accelerates our frustration and discomfort and it doesn't work with children because as you said, we tend to get louder, and then they, they tend to kind of go back into themselves even more.
1: Often boys are not able to articulate, and there's some really good research now from um, Dr. Alan Shaw from UCLA about how the boy's brain, when a fetus becomes a boy, it's marinated in testosterone in the first 12 weeks. It does slow down the, the boy's brain development, so they haven't got the same capacity to um, command language or organise themselves and all those things. But it also means at times that they can't find words to articulate what they're feeling. We have a world that's still trying to dismantle the old male code which says that boys are not meant to express vulnerable feelings and the only valid one for a warrior is anger. So how often is anger not anger but something underneath it, like the sad, angry syndrome that often happens in a long daycare where... You might drop a boy off. And so he's really sad. And then as he runs into play, you know, he, that sadness can transform into anger and he can go and kick someone or throw some toys. He hasn't got the words. And that behavior is a form of language, for, particularly for young boys. And our job is, I believe, for mummies, because we get emotions. I've God bless, I've got four granddaughters. My goodness, I cannot believe the difference when I'm observing them really scanning their emotional world, working out what feeling they've got right now. We assume that all boys can do the same as little girls. And so I think it's just that understanding that they may struggle to communicate their unmet needs and that we kind of have to be able to help them find out what those unmet needs are and hopefully try to meet them.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I have a son as my youngest. I have two daughters and then a son. And I've noticed that what people have said to me feels kind of true people have said, well, it's nice to have a son as your youngest, because they stay yours a little bit longer. And I feel that I feel like uh, with my daughters, especially when they were toddlers, and then adolescents, they really push back on me a lot and needed to, (laughs) rejected me in a lot of ways. And my son doesn't really do that. But I can tell when he's, like you said, he, he sort of has an angry response when he's afraid when he's worried, uncomfortable about something that he has to figure out, sad, although I don't think he's sad that often, mm-hmm. but he definitely has frustration and worry and those kinds of feelings. And yeah, it comes yeah. out as kind of a lashing back a little bit. There's some fabulous
1: new neuroscience that shows that if a girl or a woman gets
0: upset,
1: obviously her limbic brain fires up, but the next center that fires up is her word center almost immediately, which is well very quick. To express how we're feeling but for boys and men it's the limbic brain followed by the body so he transfers that straight into the body so he'll go and kick something rather than be able to express it that doesn't mean to say you know he hasn't felt it deeply that's why I keep some one of my big suggestions is when boys muck up not just little things but the things we have to you know have a conversation about but in the heat of the moment well, no child's childhood in that moment but I would even allow longer because there's this hunger in a boy to be loved and to be understood, but it takes him a bit of time to be able to review that. And so sometimes it's a lovely chat in the bath the following night or a pillow chat as you head to bed saying, remember when you got really cross yesterday? Can you tell me what was happening then? He's got a much better chance then, but he has absolutely no, no chance before he's had a time to process it. And I think it's the other perceptional difference, I think, that we can understand is that boys often looking for an external experience of some kind to be able to assess their own self-worth. So therefore, you know, if they've hit a target or they've won something or they've built that tower to the right height, they give themselves like a big high five and it makes them feel good within themselves. And so when they disappoint and when they muck up, their self worth is just crushed, you know, by their own, you know, their own internalised emotional uh, understanding of that. Without us then becoming harsh, and, and so often when boys muck up, there was not an intention to do that, and that's the other side to it. I think the perception is boys have an intention to be naughty or bad or break things or won't sit still. When really underneath it, it's very rare that happens impulsivity and boisterousness has meant he's made a poor choice so if we change our language from bad and naughty to that's a poor choice Mm. and when he's calmed down we can actually go back to that and say can you see why that wasn't an okay thing and I I encourage parents particularly of boys to just have three simple rules try not to hurt yourself try not to hurt anyone else try not to damage the world around you quite simple and we go back to that and then try and work out what we've been wanting to do. And then, okay, so that didn't work and it broke one of the rules of maybe two. So I'm going to help you work out some other way of doing that because our boys aren't great at finding a different solution, but they're open to a better one that means they don't get into trouble. That's that emotional coaching that I believe in the first five years of life can really, really influence our boys to be much better when they muck up, when they fail, and when things go wrong.
0: Yes, when you were going over that, which definitely makes a lot of sense, I was thinking, I don't even see it as a choice. I don't know, If they were making a conscious choice, they wouldn't do it. But their impulse got the better of them, so they did it. Mm-hmm. Going over it much later and not sternly or saying, why did you do that? Yeah. But really wondering that curiosity that I think is so helpful for us to have as parents, the way we approach everything with our children, that curiosity of, wow, you know, what happened there, do you think? Do you think made you feel like doing that? The safe way that we engage with them, I feel like makes a yeah, big difference. Yeah,
1: it does. You know, the biggest one, I really would love people to have conversations is watch the different ways that we speak to girls and boys. So if a little girl falls over, the language is often something like, oh, sweetheart, you okay? Can I help you? Are you all right? Can I help you up? We go to this really like you feeble thing, you can't do it yourself, which isn't helpful for girls. And so we need to make sure We're not giving them the message that they need more help. But the other side is we often would say to boys, there's nothing wrong with you, get up, just toughen up.
0: Brush it
1: off. Yeah, yeah, brush it off. So I'd love it if we just leaned over and said, look, um, are you okay? Do you need a grown-up's help? To either gender, that kind of implies a sense of you're capable already. However, if you genuinely need my help, I'm, I'm available. I'm not sure in your schooling system, Janet, but... Over in Australia, there are different behavior policies for boys and girls so that the boys are punished much more severely for exactly the same thing that a girl may do. And we do have some aggressive little girls out there that are angry. So if they shove a boy over, hardly anything happens. But if the reverse happens, oh my goodness. And if that also happens when a boy accidentally knocks a girl over because he's running and he didn't see her, the punishment is equally the same. No wonder we can create, you know, angry men later. I I still argue that unless we stop hitting, hurting and shaming little boys, we're not going to change what happens with the, um, the minority of our men who are doing those things as hurt men later in life. If we can build a sense of helping them gain the capacity to understand what happens in the heat of the moment and how to deal with it without punching, paying back or all those sorts of things with having some words and it does take time. And you'll think you're never going to get it sometimes. But, you know, I've raised four exceptional men. I have to say that they are exceptional. Of course, I'm very biased. Without ever hitting them and very rarely raising my voice. Three of them are the most amazing daddies. Very different to their own father who was, you know, of that generation where you didn't do anything. I think he changed one diaper and four boys. I don't think he got out of bed once. And I'm looking at mine doing teen parenting and I'm so proud of them. And I want to throw one suggestion out there to any mummies who have got rooster boys, you know, your feisty alpha males who don't want to share and are a bit opinionated and they want to win everything. And, you know, and you think, gosh, they haven't got an empathy gene in their body. There is hope. There is hope because my two rooster boys have become very tender, gentle, loving fathers. And I realize, and it is one of the secrets in my book, that your boys can learn to father not how their father fathered but have their mother-mothered.
0: Oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the school system and the way other people discipline and treat boys versus girls, I do believe in the power that we have as parents. And I feel like there's so many things that we can't control, the way other people in schools treat our children. Mm-hmm. But we do have control over what we're doing, and I feel like that is by far the most important modeling and relationship building that our children experience. And through that, I think we can safeguard them and give them the message that what other people are doing isn't right and isn't about them, but really about those people, you know, and the way they see things. Yeah. Uh, We have so much power. It's a big job. job. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big job. But, you know, in the best possible way, it's a big job, too. It's it's a scary big job. And it's a positive, incredibly affirming big job that we can do. And we're not going to be perfect (laughs) at it.
1: No, no. Well, gosh, I start my seminars with some of my most incredibly um, less than perfect moments of parenting. Because I want you to feel comfortable that there's no such thing as perfect parenting. And that in actual fact, those moments become teachable moments. They show our children how do I bounce back from <laughs> really bad decisions. Do I apologize? Do I get cross at myself? You know, so we are constantly modeling. Yes. But I think one, one of the really important messages is the emotional fragility of boys. We know they can get, you know, hot emotions just the same as our girls. But it was when I was counseling full time and I had a 14-year-old boy. And, you know, they can be really interesting. And this particular mum wasn't very happy with her son's report card. So she did the traditional female technique of freezing him out. So she kind of ignored him nearly a week. And fortunately, one of his friends was able to, you know, alert me particularly because he knew I knew this lad that he was planning to take his life. And when I worked with him, he just said to me that his mum had frozen him out and he thought she had completely stopped loving him. So he gave it three or four days and then he said, well, I can't live without my mum's love. That's how important it is. So I'm just prepared to leave this planet rather than live without her love. So there are times that we do things as women we don't realise that can actually break our little boy's hearts. There's a sensitivity in that. So it's almost like we're doing a you know, a shift gender-wise where we're recognising girls can be really quite tough and quite mean quite early because they're a bit more savvy and our boys are kind of floundering around and also way more sensitive to the things that can hurt, you know, relational aggression and social exclusion and, and also not having those gestures that make them feel loved. So often, again, us women tend to use a lot more words and boys can have a slightly different way of feeling loved by their mum and we've got to work out what that is, whether it's the five minutes cuddled up in bed as we go, even though we've got a sink full of dishes and a thousand things to do. They just might want to snuggle next to us without talking. Maybe they want you to rub their head. Maybe they want you to tickle their back. We've got to work out what the nonverbal signs are that show that I still love you and I've got you and my love is fierce and unconditional even when you muck up. That's what they want to know. Because when we look those looks of disappointment, later on in adolescence, they don't want to come to us when they're wounded and broken because they just don't want to see that look of disappointment again. They feel those wounds deeply, especially from their mother. And obviously, there are lots of tender dads out there that can be equally as loving, but we've carried them in our bellies, so there's some sort of a connection that goes beyond words. So give them permission to hold that tender space with them so that they can hold that tender space one day as a husband or a partner or in an intimate relationship.
0: Absolutely. I think also that's hard because it's something we have to intuit. Children, especially boys, I guess, won't show what they need. They won't ask for what they need. They may not even know what they need from us in that way. And that makes it harder, I think, because we have to see beyond and we have to keep seeing our child's heart underneath everything and finding our way there. Even if we don't even know at the time if we got there or whatever, we still have to keep (laughs) seeking it (laughs) and connecting there. It's a big challenge. I can't wait to read your book. I didn't get a chance to yet. It's already a bestseller in Australia. That's yeah. so exciting.
1: When I wrote it, I didn't want to sound like a woman banging on about boys without having kind of some sort of backup. So I did survey 1600 men. I wanted to know what their relationship was like, and I gave them kind of five levels. And fortunately, it was only around 19% of the um, all those men who are completely estranged from their mothers. But I did ask what was one thing you wish your mother you know, had done that she didn't do and what did she do you wish she hadn't. So a number of men said I wish my mum hadn't been the martyr and done everything for me because I've ended up a useless male. So how often do we think we just do it out of love that maybe at some point we do need to build their capacity to look after themselves to cook and to wash and to do all the things that are kind of womanly. So it was like, whoa, so throughout the book you'll find those quotes and also we ask mums to send in their funniest anecdotes and oh my goodness you know they could be this enormous source of unexpected delight
0: well thank you so much maggie this has been delightful and uh my pleasure really my pleasure keep up your fabulous work please Janet. thank you you too and i definitely thank feel you. like we are kindred spirits and very aligned in our messages and thank you all right well you have a lovely evening and uh, i will talk with you again soon i hope we will cheerio to everyone cheerio to you maggie's book mothering our boys is available at amazon.com also please check out some of the other podcasts on my website janetlandsbury.com they're all indexed by subject and category so you should be able to find whatever topic you're interested in and both of my books are available on audio Elevating Child Care and No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. You can get them for free from Audible by following the link in the liner notes of this podcast or go to the books section of my website. You can also get them in paperback at Amazon and in ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple.com. Thank you for listening. We can do this.